0: Hi way to do this Let me show you a better way
1: Hi folks this is Jack Spigel with another edition of the survival podcast. as always one man's view of the changing world, the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. today is Monday. August the twentieth, two thousand and twelve, and this is episode nine hundred and sixty-three of the Survival Podcast, and I'm really excited to uh, to have the show on. I haven't had a lot of uh, of kids on the show. I've had one or two, uh, and this this is uh, yet again. We'll have some. I guess we'll call him a kid, a young man, uh, still in high school, Elk River High School, in fact, and uh, he's a junior there now. His name is Josh Wolf, and I first featured Josh in May of two thousand and twelve. For the work he's doing making biodiesel and some other really cool things. We'll have him on in just a moment to tell us about what he's doing. I've wanted to get him on all summer long, but as a really active young man, he's been difficult to sync up with. Uh, but we're going to get him on, I guess, before the uh, first bells of the year ring and they go back to school. Uh, before I have him on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor number one today is the Berkey Guy. Uh, Now, what are you going to get from the Berkey guy? I know this might strike you as being crazy, but what you're going to get from the Berkey guy is Berkey water filtration systems. What else would you expect to get from the Berkey guy? And everybody knows Berkey makes a great product, a wonderful product, a good-looking product, a cost-effective product. But you can get Berkeys from all different kinds of places. Type Berkey into Amazon. You'll find plenty of people. eBay. If you go to a gun show lately, there's probably a preparedness table or two, and they're probably selling Berkeys. Everywhere you go, it seems like somebody's selling a Berkey because it's a great thing. So why get it from Jeff? Why go to LPC Survival, a.k.a. the Berkey guy? Because he's the Berkey guy. Who the hell else are you going to go to? I mean, really, why would you buy your Berkey from anybody but the Berkey guy? One of the biggest dealers out there. Been in business a long time. Supported this show for over three years now has fixed 100% of every issue that ever popped up, and almost all of them had to do with the incompetence of the Postal Service, and has not a single standing complaint from a single member of this audience. And this is a tough-ass audience to serve, I know. Trust me, I get the emails from you guys when you're upset with me. Uh, there's more TSP listeners mad at me than Jeff Gleason. That tells you a lot about the Berkey guy, and that's why you should get your Berkey water filtration system and some other cool prepper items at Directive21.com, the Berkey guy's website. Check them out today. Next up today, uh, silverandgoldshop.com. You know, if you look at the future of the United States economy, and after doing that you don't put some silver and gold to the side as a hedge against what's coming, I don't know what to say. Now when you do that, you'll want to do some basic things that everybody does like Silver Eagles or bars or something like that. But you might want to add some really cool stuff, stuff that tells the story of where we've come from, where we're headed, and how we got there. Uh, you'll find a lot of stuff like that at silverandgoldshop.com, some really cool Silver Rounds, home of the original Tea Party Silver Round, the Prospector Silver Round, and a lot of other really cool things. And hey, here's an idea. As we get into the holiday season, I know it seems like it's a mile away, but it's not. It's going to be here before you know it. You'll be traveling to see friends and family that you normally don't see. You'll bring gifts to young people. How about putting an ounce of silver in their hand and explaining to them the real value of silver versus the declining value of the dollar? Maybe don't make it that complicated. Maybe just explain to them that this will continue to become more and more valuable. Just like they will over time. It's a great way to plant seeds of intelligence in young people. And that fits really well with the fact that we're having a young, uh, young man who's extremely intelligent on the show today. So I think that's a, a great, a great thought, uh, to also include with my endorsement of silverandgoldshop.com. Remember that all of our sponsors are personal endorsements by me. They're not just people that show up with a few bucks. We haven't added a new sponsor in over a year. We haven't, well, I guess we added one in uh, January, uh, when I brought on the Free State Project and, and did it for free. But other than that, it's been well over a year. Nobody's left. The last sponsor that left, I fired because I didn't get involved with the community. Uh, that says something about the integrity of the sponsors that we have the Survival Podcast. I would put those companies up against any companies in the world. I'm very proud to have them there. And we run our sponsorship program a little bit differently, but that's because I think you, the audience, is absolutely worth it. Next up, check out tspcomper.com. That's a site I run in conjunction with Rob and David Gray over at the AOCS. Cool copper rounds. Remember, MSB members, you get uh, 10% off all your copper orders. I also want to remind you guys, hey, September 14 and 15, I will be in Hickory, North Carolina at the next Self-Reliance Expo with Ron Douglas and Scott Valencia. Come on out. Those guys always do a great job. there will be a lot of cool people to meet. There will be an early TSP meetup on Saturday morning. I uh, don't know exactly what the details are going to be yet. It'll probably be 30 minutes early. As the details come to me, when I get back uh, this this week uh, with Ron and Scott, we'll set up a Facebook page and all that like we did before. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you will get exclusive content available only to members. You will also be supporting the Survival Podcast at about 20 cents an episode. You will get lots of discounts, even some more cool discounts that are on the way. Finally got one negotiated for you guys on gold and silver that will apply to all your orders of all products from a certain company that is going to be just awesome. You'll get more about that later today. But that's just another example of me continuing to build the value of the MSB for the MSB members. Remember, military law enforcement peace corps and first responders prior to joining if you email me with service discount in the subject line tell me who you are and what you're doing or who you are and what you did i will send you a special discount code to thank you for your service with that all wrapped up it's my good pleasure now to introduce josh wolf again he's a junior at elk river high school he creates biofuel from algae at a low cost that can compete with industrial professionals and it was part of a very successful science fair project that he did. He's also heading up a green roof project with real-world science education to at-risk youth in St. Paul, Minnesota. How kick-ass is that? He's got a lot of other things going on. He's here to talk to us about all of them. And with that, hey, Josh, welcome to the Survival Podcast, man. Hi
0: there. How are you doing?
1: Good. Hey, I first uh, covered your story when it went into kind of mainstream news, I guess, back in May. And uh, the audience was really wanting to know more about what you're doing, so I'm glad to have you on today. But for maybe newer listeners that didn't hear when I covered the story back then, uh, can you just give people a little bit about what you're doing overall, and then we'll go into some details? Sure.
0: Well, I entered a project into my local science fair back in about January, and essentially I figured out a way to take algae and shock it with electricity so that it will release an oil. When I collect this oil, I can process it with a couple of uh, basic household chemicals, methanol and lye, and turn it into biodiesel. So now this project offered essentially a really cheap way to produce biodiesel from a renewable source, algae. So that's kind of where I've been developing my whole project, and that's the whole basis of what I've been doing.
1: Now, a lot of the audience with their questions really centered around is what you kind of hit on there with the cost. And there was a, a note in the article that said something about three cents a gallon. Now, my understanding is that's the raw cost of producing the base oil, not including the light and the other chemicals, correct? That's correct, yes. So what is what are we looking at by the time you've produced a gallon of fuel that can go into a vehicle on the cost side of things?
0: So that's anywhere the Cost of adding the additional chemicals is anywhere between seventy cents and about a dollar.
1: So you can
0: expect right around a dollar a gallon,
1: which is which is huge. And I guess the other big question that people have, without revealing anything, because I know you got a patent. I mean, first of all, let's tell people how old are you? I'm sixteen. 16 years old, and and I want to say this for people that are listening. I'm the guy that always says the little kid singing on the talent show on TV is just there because they're a little kid. I don't I don't bring people on just because they're kids. But what you're doing is really cool, and it is impressive you're doing it at 16. Uh, but the the other question people had, like I said, you got a patent going. But what is it that you're doing as far as what you can reveal? that, you know, all these big giant co- corporations with all this money can't figure out, because no one else is producing any fuel for a dollar a gallon right now. Sure. Uh,
0: well, a, a common method for, for producing fuels from algae right now is is that you actually take the algae and dewater it, uh, and that's a huge, huge cost so that you can produce a dry algae. And from there, then, uh, it can be pressed so that the oil inside of the algal cells is squeezed out so my process completely eliminates that and there is some other processes being developed like ultrasound technology that are on the brink of doing this as well but as far as the price it's not published so i wouldn't jump to assume that it uh been a-, a lowered cost value like mine has but i can't attest to that specifically sure.
1: Sure. The other question we've had a lot of people asking is, how scalable do you think this is? Because there's a lot of things that maybe will work really well on a small scale, a backyard scale like you're doing. But do you see this as any reason that this can't scale into a mass production uh, environment? And let's say it did, and you wanted to produce you know, a significant amount, enough to, 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 to supply one fuel station. How much space do you think you would need to do that?
0: Well, the interesting thing about this is when I first started my project, it was um, I was using stagnant water, so there's no movement there. So that would mean that you'd need uh, a lot of time to process all of, all of the water that you have. But since then, since the science started I've been developing a continuous flow model. So essentially, algal water is pumped through a device, and it is processed. And about forty-eight hours later, the algae will or the oil, excuse me, will rise to the top of the water. So essentially this this process is as scalable as you can make the production site. It's just a matter of how can you build enough of the processing equipment to accommodate how big your production site is.
1: Okay. Let's say you had a – somebody gave you a blue sky budget to develop prototypes with and gave you an acre of land. How much do you think you could produce? you know, a month, let's say. Oof. Uh
0: it depends where it is. It depends. Um it's, say we're down in Arizona. Based on what I've what I've been able to produce, uh that would be a some rough estimation. Uh, but in in excess of, of ten thousand gallons or so, okay. which is Something to be heralded in in the algae fuels industry, just because uh, algae extraction from dry uh, from dry extraction methods is substantially lower than that.
1: Well, if we look at a yield per acre versus something like you know using corn uh, to produce biofuel or something like that, it, it's a massive yield increase. It, 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 the, the two don't even compare to each other. Right.
0: It's it's essentially not even comparable. Because, because corn grows so much slower. The algae actually, per biomass, has been known to grow somewhere between a thousand and ten thousand times faster than any rooted plant. So that's, that's where the advantage from algae comes from. And then of course, adding on the benefits of it producing a direct oil. So that's, that's a huge increase on
1: corn. Sure. I mean, you don't have to extract the oil, or if we're making ethanol, we don't have to distill. You've got you've got your raw base fuel, basically, there, and you're adding certain things so that it'll burn properly. Now, what sure, about sure. waste issues? Is there any waste? How much waste? I mean, it's a clean fuel on the production side, but what about what's left over?
0: Sure. So what happens when you process the oil uh, from oils that I've made is that you have a triglyceride, and you bring in a sodium hydroxide and methanol group, and what happens is it removes the oxygen on the triglyceride, and you get a a glycerin group and a hydrocarbon. The hydrocarbon is the biodiesel, and the waste product is this glycerin. Typically what happens on small-scale production sites where you've got a couple of people making biodiesel from, say, a waste fire oil, is that you can take this glycerin and donate it to a soap manufacturer or a local soap producer and you can take this glycerin and make these soaps out of it. But what I've been trying to figure out how to do and I'm still in the works of perfecting it is that I can take this waste product that I have left over, this glycerin, and feed it back to the algae. And the algae will try to systematically reincorporate it into their, into their food Uh, sources so that they'll turn it back into an oil, this triglyceride that can be then turned back into a biodiesel.
1: So you get a closed loop system if you pull that off but you're not 100% there on it yet. Right. Okay. So what is your vision for this? I mean I can see this going two distinctively different ways. I can see this being something that ends up in into like a large corporate environment where It is kind of the domain of large producers, and I can see it in a more decentralized uh, matter where small producers, you know, obviously you really care about what you're doing. But just like any of us, if you made a few bucks doing it, it'd be nice. And if you're onto something this big, it would be right for that to happen. So regardless, you would think there'd be some kind of a cost or royalty or patent fee. But do you see this as being really a big thing? Uh, I don't mean big as a totality, but something that's dominated by large players or something that eventually any small player that wants to get into fuel production can do, anything from a small concern to a, another person doing it in their backyard following your methods?
0: Uh, I I really would like to see it in a, a system where I would essentially license, license out a technology that could be used for the everyday man because you have uh, places out in California, New uh, Nevada, New Mexico, Florida that are producing algae on these humongous scaled plants. But the, there's also the implications of, of transportation fees. So that, that becomes such a crippling force in trying to scale these up to a reasonable size. So if you can make it so that it can be produced in someone's backyard or in one out of ten people's backyard, then that would produce enough for a whole lot of people. And that would be what I would foresee. But as far as which way I have
1: to choose, I'm
0: not quite certain. You're
1: yeah, not sure where you're at. Yeah, because one of the things that a lot of people said is if this if this pans out the way it looks like it could for you, that you know, we might be into another realm where, you know, the big evil oil companies come in and buy the technology up and then it just disappears. And 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 my belief is that you would you'd probably not want that to happen. No, 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 no. (laughs) Um,
0: I I really I really don't want to see that happen. But um, so I'm trying to make some little efforts. Like I'm looking into. um, I'm in talks with uh, a professor from UCLA, and. Taking a model and bringing it to, say, a third world country like India or villages in India and making it so that there could be a small production site that would produce fuel or possibly food for these villages. And, and that's kind of the whole concept is that I'm trying to make small locations and that's, that's what I would like to see rather than just selling it off but it could still be incorporated into, say, these solarzyme companies where I could license out the technology, and they could still pre- create a higher yield because they're still in the same ballpark that I am of alternative energies. no yeah. so it's it's this general idea of bringing alternative energies to the market, but big oil companies, I I, I just don't see it. <laughs>
1: As a guy that's been an entrepreneur for 20 years myself, and that goes back to when I was not much older than you, I have one big piece of advice for you as you go through with this. Find good attorneys you can trust to have on your side because um, that's the only way to give yourself a modicum of protection. And that's neither here nor there. That's just some, some friendly advice. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, you. Actually, did you start out with doing algae or did you start out doing waste oil?
0: Uh, no, I started doing algae actually, uh, about two years ago. I was, uh, in a state park in, in, uh, in my, in Minnesota and I was looking at all the trees thinking, you know, why can't this power be used to take CO2 out of the air and bring it to the cities? So that's when I was looking into algae as a source of just cleaning out some of the pollutants in the air look was looking more into it, how the people were trying to make fuel out of it, and I took a crack out of it. I a crack at it. And then how waste oil came into it is that I was trying to do a fundraiser with my robotics team that is starting to turn in a fundraiser mutually for my robotics team and my project itself to create some funds to possibly pay for my patent or pay for the further scaling up of what I'm trying to accomplish.
1: And, uh, so, you, but you did get into doing the waste oil fuel as well, and are you you're selling that back? Yep, you're like man. getting the oil from your school and then selling it back to the buses for your school? Right. That's smart, man. Tell, tell folks about how you're doing that. What's that? That's to tell folks about how you're doing that.
0: Uh, so, it's, it started where I was just kind of working out at the front of my high school, uh, and I had to convince some of my local uh, restaurants to donate their waste oil, which a couple of them willingly have done. So now I'm taking the waste oil and essentially bringing it back to my high school where I'm getting this big processor to process it into biodiesel fuel, and that will be running the buses during the non-winter months, and then the bus company will actually pay for that to help help me fundraise for my project to keep a consistent flow of purchases.
1: That's awesome. That's great. And, and you're involved in a lot of other things as well. You, you're at camp all summer and that made it hard for us to sync up. Yeah. Um, but you got a project I'm really interested in that you're trying to get off the ground. It, it, it's a green roof project. You want to tell folks about what you're doing there?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So right now I'm uh, trying to start up this science program at an uh, inner city summer camp. And essentially, I'll be teaching science everywhere from robotics to biology. So what I'm trying to do here is bring a green roof to the top of this building. And what will be happening there is that um, the kids will get hands-on experiences to learn all about biology, while it'll still be taking out, you know, heavy minerals from um, from the water, taking out heavier pollutants. And and that's that's kind of the whole goal of that to just create an image of a green roof there that will stand as a lasting educational tool as well as a pollutant reducer.
1: And, I mean, do you think things like that can inspire other young people to maybe step a little bit outside the box the way that you have?
0: I certainly hope so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I do, and uh I think that it's awesome that you're you know you're basically you know trying to work with not just get a project like that off the ground, but work with at risk youth for it. Um, and it's amazing to me that somebody your age is is doing all this stuff. I mean, you're growing biodiesel. I don't know if I can spell biodiesel right when I was sixteen years old. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's kind of a lot to handle at times, but uh, I just try and do what's right.
1: So how? How important is the particular strain of algae that you're using to what you're doing?
0: Um, that is something I can't necessarily speak to because that's sits a little bit at risk with the patents. Okay. But, um, in general, it's there's a there's multiple different strains of algae that have have worked, but as far as what strain works most productively and which produces a, a better quality product, I can't necessarily... No, I
1: understand. Do I understand. Don't say problem. anything that would, would put what you're doing at risk from a, a, sure. a, a disclosure standpoint. Um, my, my other thought, though, is just, you know, what, what's got you into the entrepreneurial bent? Um, there's plenty of people that do some kind of cool science projects in R, but but clearly you're thinking along the lines... Of controlling your own destiny already at this age and being an entrepreneur, what's got you thinking that way?
0: It's just a means of how I can move on to my next project because I'm really in it for for the science and teaching people along the way. That's that's what um, speaks to me. But as far as turning it into an entrepreneurial venture, that's just a mean. That's just giving me the means by which I can go out and continue to do what I love to do.
1: Well, that's cool because one of the things that I've always had a problem with for most people that are science uh, oriented is they get a degree in some sort of you know scientific discipline and then they end up in a research laboratory where you know if you come up with this you know inside a research laboratory of a university, that's- it may never see the light of day. Uh, it's owned by the university. And your yeah. next grant may be contingent upon you shutting up about it, where when right. you do this from a standpoint of I'm going to take the reins and do something positive for humanity, um, you know, you get kind of the Google effect. Those guys can do whatever they want now because they've got about $9 billion to pull it off with.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the idea.
1: So are there other areas that you're interested in scientifically, I mean that specifically that you'd like to uh, to venture into eventually?
0: Uh, I'm very interested in particle physics. Um, I'm studying it and reading some textbooks, um, taking my own interpretations of what I see fit, but, uh, other than that, I'm looking into, uh other fuel sources from plastic bags, perhaps, and, uh, I'm just kind of looking at the whole spectrum of, of what I can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a big question to ask somebody at, at your stage because you've still got, what, two more years of high school? Yep. Are you already kicking around ideas for which college you go to?
0: I'm really looking into Stanford University.
1: Okay. Awesome, awesome. So are there? what would you like to tell young people like yourself out there about, you know, reaching for something beyond – uh what, you know, kind of the status quo says is, is possible. Huh.
0: The only reason why I'm successful is ambition. That's truly it.
1: That's, that's awesome. And that's, you know, that's the simplicity of that. And I think that a work ethic and an ambitious attitude it can take you far in life. So I appreciate you sharing everything you, that you're working on with us today, Josh
0: absolutely thank you for having me
1: on and people can find out more about what you're doing you've got a facebook page set up you've got a little website set up right
0: and also if you check out this uh this month's issue of popular science they just named me one of the top two top 10 high school inventors so that's something to check out
1: that's awesome i'll see if i can find the online version of that article if not uh You know, sometimes you can get those and sometimes you can't, but I'll definitely, you know, everybody should check that out. That is a huge honor, man, so congratulations on that. And I'll put links to your site and your Facebook page, you know, and uh, the story about you in today's show notes. And, again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me on. And, folks, with that, this has been Jack Spirits today along with Josh Wolf, helping you figure out how to live that better life, times get tough, or even if they don't.
0: can't pay There's
1: nobody up there cares They're living